This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan England. I'm here with Jeremy McLiver. Welcome back, everyone. I am really excited to talk to today's guest. She is an expert in sales, sales teams, lead generation, getting salespeople to generate results. For a lot of us right now, sales is something that is so critical because without sales, our business doesn't grow. So we're going to talk to her today a little bit about how do you get salespeople to produce? How do you get them to pick up that phone and make those calls? So I want to welcome today's guest, the president of coldcallingresults.com, Wendy Weiss. Well, hello, and thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. So I'm so excited to dig into this because one of the things that we hear from a lot of our clients, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will resonate with this, is how do I get salespeople to produce? And you're known as the queen of cold calling. So I'm sure you've got some great tips and some great practical advice for our listeners. So can we just start with that? Absolutely. One of the biggest mistakes that I see, business owners often think that um, I need to increase sales, so I'm just going to hire a salesperson. And they go out and they hire a salesperson And hiring that salesperson is actually the reason that sales do not increase. And the reason that I'm saying that is before any business owner, before you go out and you hire a salesperson, you've got to make sure that you have a clearly defined process in place for them so that you can teach them what they need to know and uh, keep them accountable and measure their results so that you actually are able, you know what works because you have a process that you've, you've already benchmarked and you plug someone else into that process and they should be able to get the same kind of results. And if they can't, they're not, they're not a good fit. And so many business owners, they go out, they hire a salesperson, they leave everything up to the salesperson, they keep that person around for a number of years paying them a salary, perhaps, or a draw against commission, and they don't sell anything. So what I hear you saying is, I can't go and hire a salesperson and expect them to bring a system that works. Like, that's not what salespeople do. Is is that what you're saying? That is exactly what I'm saying. So what do we do if we've got, if we need to build our sales team, and we're really not systems-minded people? Like, what are some ways that we can start building that system or looking for those results so that when we go hire people, we make sure we're hiring good people that can follow our system. Well, the first thing is uh, to know what you don't know. And there are a lot of resources available. So at the end of today's uh, session, at the, the end of this interview today, even if you hate everything that I say, go Google it because there are resources available for you. Um, but it starts with a definition of what makes a good customer for you. And lots of times when I'm working with my clients, I'll ask them that question. Give me a definition. What makes a good customer for you? And they'll say things like, oh, they should appreciate all the hard work we do. 
and they should be looking for someone that does what we do, and that that's not really a good definition. The The definition is, if you're in the consumer market, typically, you know, we're where do they live? Is there a certain income level? Are they married or are they single? Do they have children? How old are they? If you're in the B2B, is it a specific industry? Uh, what? How large are the companies, either in employees or revenue? So what you need is a very concrete definition of who it is you're looking for. What makes a good customer for you? Because once you have a very concrete, clear definition, you can then go find these people. And having a definition if you're hiring salespeople and being very clear with them of what the definition of a good uh, lead for you in your market, they need to know what that, what that is. And, totally makes sense. Yeah. So if we want to hire people that are going to be able to get results, we have to be able to explain to them who they're going after, who they're going to be prospecting, who they're going to be selling to so that they don't just start throwing mud up against the wall and hoping something sticks. Bingo. I love that. So, so now that we've defined the right type of prospect for us, what's the next thing we got to look at for creating that system that's going to generate results that we can just put a good salesperson into? Well, the next question that you have to ask yourself, and, and this is a hard one, is what is the challenge? Once you've defined the target, what is the challenge that these types of customers have that you can help them with? And how do they talk about it? Not how do you talk about it, uh, but really how do they talk about it? And um, so, for example, if you're in the landscaping business, you might, uh, all, all the things that you do, uh, you're going to plant trees and shrubbery and, and design certain things. And, and there's a whole long list of the things that you do. But you, your, your prospects don't really care what you do. They care about how they're going to be better off after you finish. And so let's say you're doing landscaping uh, for people's, people's homes. They're probably hiring you because they want to live in a beautiful home and have a and be able to walk out their front door and have it be beautiful. And um, so that's what you need to talk about, not that you're going to plant trees and shrubbery. Mm. So really speak to the prospects the way that that it's going to resonate with them. Exactly. Um, I've heard I've heard it said like nobody really cares about your feature and benefits. They care about what's in it for them. Yeah. And, and that's what you're really talking about. So when it comes to scripting and the conversations that you're going to have, it's really about looking at it from the prospect's point of view. Exactly. And, you know, it, if you think about it, it's like sell the destination, not the plane. What most people do is they sell the plane. You know, imagine mm. that you're uh, you want to go on a on the dream vacation of your lifetime and you go to a travel agent who says, we're going to get you a plane ticket and you're going to be able to print out a boarding pass 24 hours before, or you can have the boarding pass on your phone. And then when you get to the airport, there's curbside check-in and uh, you can check a baggage or, or you could carry something on and there's overhead bins and you're going to get a seat. We're going to give you some peanuts 
a nice soft drink and you can buy liquor if you want it. <laughs> That's selling the plane. That's mm-hmm. what most people do. What you want to be doing instead is talking about how you're going to be laying on a beach and it's going to be warm and the sky is blue and you've got a drink with an umbrella in your hand and in, in the drink there, you know, in your hand. And, and sure. so you've got to sell the destination, not the plane. I just want to be sitting on a beach in Tahiti. That's it. There you go. So keep there me focused go. on that. Exactly. Okay, so. So I'm thinking about this and we're going to have these conversations and we're building this system. But I think you said something that's really just been sticking with me a little bit. As the business owner, this is a system that I have to make sure works before I go hire a salesperson. Because the last thing I want to do is have a salesperson that I'm paying for nine months to figure out my broken system. Is that right? Exactly. And if you... um if you are a business owner and you have a salesperson that is actually selling, then look at what that salesperson is doing, document it, benchmark it, and then you've got your system. If you are the owner and you don't have the salespeople, you might have to do this first, but it won't take you that long. You, We do this all the time with clients uh, who are... Uh, solopreneurs or small business owners that are doing the sales for their business, we teach them these skills and help them put the system in place. Um, And it doesn't take all that long to put the system in place. But as the owner, you uh, create this, you create the system, you test it. uh, Of course, you track it so you know how you're doing and what your results are. And once you've done that, for a few months and you have that system, it is very easy to plug somebody else into it. And when you plug somebody else into the system, uh, it's just like McDonald's. They're not making it up every time they make a hamburger. If you you plug somebody into that system, if they can't get at least the same results that you as the business owner are getting, then they're not going to work for you. And you can know that sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So if we're documenting it, particularly, let's just reflect on the owners documenting it for their team, right? And they're kind of coming up with it. But the owner, a lot of times I run into owners, they're just natural sales people themselves. They have those gifts. They have those abilities. Documenting it is almost impossible for them because they don't know really what they're doing. They just show up and you just talk to the person and you just ask them questions and they just sign right here. So how do we, do you, you find that people are naturally born this way or are they, is this a trained thing? Like how do we get people on board? And well, this, this idea of being a born salesperson is really a myth. I mean, people are born with talent. Uh, think about how many talented athletes have never made it to the Olympics. And so you, be, you may be an owner and you've got a lot of talent and it's it's your company and you're you know you're selling um and if you don't have a documented process turn on the recorder on your smartphone next time you talk to a prospect turn on the recorder next time you talk to one of your customers and do that for a while and have it all transcribed and get somebody to organize it you're going to have a system so just 
pretty much document what I got, what I do, and that'll that'll create it. Now, when you talk about the system, maybe help us to understand it. Um, is it like how many times I follow up, what I say? Like, where's the level of, like, how detailed do you feel like we need to go? How much of it's natural? Well, if you're if you're documenting and you're benchmarking, and and let's just look at the idea of setting appointments. Um, we we do a program. Uh, that we call 3X appointments. And the reason we call it 3X appointments is that people that do this program, if they're already doing business development, their numbers triple. And what I mean by that is the number of appointments they can schedule triples, and then uh, there's a corresponding increase in revenue down the line. What we track for prospecting is dials, meaning how many times did you dial the phone, conversations, uh, meaning a conversation with the right person, the person that can make a decision, and then appointments scheduled. So we track those numbers. We also track how many voicemail messages get returned and how many emails are uh, responded to. So we track all those numbers. And you don't have to do that manually. There is software that can do it. So if you're already making calls or you have salespeople that are already making calls, that you're not adding something extra that anybody needs to do, there is software that will track that. So once you know what those numbers are, then you can tweak what you're doing. So it's not, it's not a hard thing to track. You simply need software that will track what you're doing. And then you look at the conversion of your dials into conversations with the right person. And, a, you know, if, if a salesperson, for example, is not converting those, converse, or those dials into the conversations with the right person, that means they either need help with uh, gatekeeper skills or uh, better voicemail messages. Um, or e better emails. And um, if the conversations are not being converted into appointments, then we need to work on what they're saying so they get more appointments. That's great. So you can basically, with these, these five numbers, you can pinpoint where the issue is. So dials, it's just, are you making enough activity? Conversations, are you connecting once that that's going to tell us what is going on in that conversation is going to determine how many appointments are scheduled, which is going to tell us whether we need to work on that. I want to dive into that voicemail one, though. That's the interesting one. So obviously, we you know we call somebody up. They weren't expected. We leave them a voicemail. How do we get them to call us back? I'm going to give you a two-part answer here. Because <laughs> the first part of the answer is say something interesting and relevant. And the second uh, part of the answer it goes back to having a system. The first part of my answer, say something interesting and relevant. In your voicemail, sell the destination, not the plane. And in terms of the system, there is research that shows that it takes somewhere between 8 to 12 touches. And a touch is a phone call. It's a voicemail. It's an email. It's a text. It's a letter. It takes eight to 12 of them to get somebody to respond. We teach a system, we usually start with eight touches. 
Um, we do four voicemails and four emails. And we do it very, very systematically over a period of about a month. And we track that. You can actually get a significant number of people to either return the phone call or respond to the email by reaching out to them systematically over time. What most people do is they call somebody once or twice, maybe they leave a message, but if they don't hear back, they just stop. Do you recommend if they call and they're like, oh, do I leave a voicemail? Do I not? Do you recommend them leave a voicemail? Uh, I recommend, here's the, here's the system. You make the phone call. If you get voicemail, leave voicemail number one um, that essentially focuses on how your customers are better off after they've worked with you. And then immediately you send an email that says pretty much the same thing you just said in your voicemail. So you're, you're giving them uh, two ways to respond to you. They can call you back. They can send you an email. You wait about a week. If you haven't heard back, you call them again. If you get voicemail, you leave voicemail number two. It's different from number one, but it still focuses on how you, how you help your customers. And then you immediately send email number two, which says the same thing as voicemail number two. You wait about a week. If you haven't heard back, you call them again. If you get voicemail, you leave voicemail number three, which still is different from one and two, but it still it focuses on how you help your, your customers. And then you immediately send email number three, uh, which mirrors voicemail number three. And then you wait about a week. And if you haven't heard back, you call them again. And if you get voicemail, you leave voicemail number four. This one's different. I call it the move on message. It goes like this. I've tried to reach you a number of times to discuss, fill in the blank with whatever it is you're calling about. Um, I haven't heard back from you. I know you're busy. Um, so I'm figuring this just isn't a good time for us to talk and I don't want to be a pest. So I am going to cease and desist and uh, we'll check back with you later in the year to see if anything has changed. If you've been meaning to get back to me and you just haven't had the chance, I'd love to discuss, fill in the blank with whatever it is you want to talk about. And then you send the same thing in an email. So interestingly, that is going to be when you're going to get most of the calls, the return phone calls hmm. or the responses to the emails, often with an apology. Hmm. Because what most people do uh, when, they're, when they're making prospecting calls is they call a couple of times, maybe three times, Sometimes they leave a message, sometimes they don't, but they never ever say to the prospect, I'm not going to, I don't want to be a pest. I'm, I'm going to stop calling you. There are people on the list that you might be reaching out to that want to talk to you. They're, they're busy. Everybody's busy these days. You know, they're um, dealing with things and, and also they think you're a salesperson. So they think you're going to keep calling them. So if you just stop and you don't say, I'm not going to call you again, you know, maybe they've been meaning to call you, but it's sort of down at the bottom of their list. But when you say, I don't want to be a pest, so I'm going to stop, then the people that want to talk to you will actually return the phone call or respond to the email. Now, you do need to have left some pretty, com you know, compelling messages previously, but it's... Um, it's a uh, sales trainers. We call this the the, the takeaway. 
but but psychologically, when you take something away, people want it, and that's why they then respond. And it's interesting because that's when you are likely to get most of the responses, often with apologies. You know, ah, oh, Jeremy, Ryan, I really wanted to talk to you. I'm so sorry. I've just been busy. Here, uh, here's when you can call me. Yeah, that takeaway. There's so much human psychology in that, and I, and I find that there's a lot of human psychology just in the sales process in general. But I'll never forget when I had my wisdom teeth out and I was a teenager, and the, and I rem- out of everything that went happened. The one thing I remember is that the surgeon said, Ryan, no pizza for a month. Oh, my God. You know what, you know what I wanted for that entire month? Yep. All I wanted to eat was pizza. <laughs> so yep. uh, we always want what we can't have. So there was, there was some things in there. Uh, I've heard that a lot of sales is psychology, understanding human behavior, understanding the way people process and make decisions. And, and I like the system that you outlined. And if I was, if I was tracking correctly, it's, it's about four weeks from the first call to that, that last takeaway call. Is that about right? That's correct. And it's eight touches, four voicemails, four emails over four weeks. And then if you don't hear back uh, from that prospect, but you still think that's a good lead for you, you, you don't throw it out. You just recycle it. Try them again in three months or six months or a year. That That's just contingent on how many leads you have. Sure. So let's talk about for a second a, a business that maybe is struggling a little bit. Maybe they just lost their salesperson and the owner is having to step in. I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of scenarios where we need some business ASAP. And what are some tips or some processes that you found that work if I don't have that four weeks to wait? Maybe I need to get some new business coming in by the end of the week or something like that. Um, I've heard that cold calling is one of the most effective ways to find people that are ready to buy now. Uh, But what would you recommend for someone in that situation? Well, what I would recommend for someone in that situation, it's, I'm going to give you a two-part answer. Um, It definitely goes back to the targeting that we were talking about earlier, that uh, you don't want to waste your time reaching out to uh, leads that are just not a perfect fit for you. One of the things that I love about cold calling is you get to choose. You're not at the mercy of whatever walks in the door. You get to choose who you want to do business with. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that I'll say about that. But if you're really under the gun like that, um, I would actually, uh, before getting on the phone and reaching out uh, to cold leads, I would call up every single customer that you've worked with recently and ask them for a referral. I would, whatever networks you belong to, Chamber, chamber of Commerce or, uh, you know, different organizations maybe that you belong to, reach out uh, to people in that organization. I think you're probably, you're looking for uh, introductions. Mm. And so I, I would, I would start there, you know, um, do you have social media contacts that you think would be, you know, that, that you're really interacting with? that you think either would be a good lead for you or that would be able to refer people to you, message them, 
you know, if you think that if you think they would be a good potential customer for you, message them and see if you can set up an appointment to at least talk talk on the phone so that you can, you know, if they'd be a good customer for you, have that conversation. If you think they'd be a good referral source for you, have that conversation. And is it that simple? You call someone up and say, hey, we did business with you a couple months ago, and we'd like to know if you have any friends, family, coworkers that we can help. I mean, is that how you ask for the referral? Is it that simple? In the future, so that you're not in the in this situation, it's always a good idea uh, to set up the referral uh, by by letting your customers know that one of the ways you get business is your happy customers give you referrals. Hmm. But but that that said, you can reach out to a customer who is happy with with the work that you did and say, uh, you know, Jeremy and Ryan, I was wondering if you could help me with something. I work with individuals, businesses, describe who you work with so that they know uh, who you should be, who, who they should introduce you to. And, you know, so I work with individuals that want to live in just an incredibly beautiful home or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I make that happen. And I know you were really happy with the work I did on your home. Um, I'm wondering if any, you know, your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors might be in a similar situation and if you'd be good enough to facilitate an introduction for me. Well, it's, that's great. And that's so simple to do. I love the idea of it being a two-part process, setting it up in the beginning so that when you do need it, it's much easier to open up that conversation. But I could still imagine even if you didn't, there's a lot of people, especially if they liked your services and you know they gave you good reviews and those those kinds of things that you could make that happen if you needed to drive sales quickly. So, hey, Wendy, um, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, how do people learn more about either getting some training from you or helping get your systems built into their business? Because you said you help business owners do that, create that system. How do they get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Well, I have two free gifts for all of our listeners. And uh, the first uh, for the the business owners that do have, if you if you're a business owner and you do have a sales team, uh, that is our uh, practical guide to getting sales teams to prospect. Mm-hmm. And uh, because let's face it, without an adequate pipeline, <laughs> um, it's unlikely that your team is going to g- generate enough opportunities to meet or. Ex- ex- the sales revenue that you're looking for. Um, so I know uh, you guys said you were going to post that underneath with with this interview. And then also my cold calling survival guide, which is step-by-step uh, how to make an effective cold call to get a qualified appointment. So those are, those are two free gifts uh, for our listeners. And um, anybody want to call me? I'm a phone person, 866-220-4242. I love that. That's great. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed the conversation. I love the real world practical tips and building that system and being able to just generate more sales results. Thank you, Wendy, for being our guest today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. 
We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.